Welcome to the favorites. That, that's all I got. That's it? <laughs> yeah. Come on, Antonio. That's <laughs> lackluster. If you're going to impersonate Chad Millman, you really got to go for the gusto. That was weak. All right. Welcome to the favorites, everybody. I'm Blackjack Fletcher, and today I am joined... By the man who has more photos of Adam Silver on his hard drive than his own wife does, Worldwide Wob, Rob Perez. Rob, how we doing, brother? Good. First of all, what was that? Was that an impersonation? Was yeah. that the actual intro? Antonio was uh, doing a Chad impression um, because Chad always welcomes everyone to the favorites in a very distinct fashion. So we've developed a trend on this episode to just mock him. Yeah, is that a is his play there like a Matt? Mad Dog Chris Russo intro, like when they did Mike and the Mad Dog of kind of welcome yeah. everybody. Yeah, it's like the Mad Dog, but if he like sucked on a bunch of helium right before he spoke. Oh my God! Yeah, let's uh, let's not do that again. But <laughs> proceed. <laughs> All right, so we've got Rob with us this week. Um, obviously, uh, we're going to talk a lot of NBA here. There's a lot going on in the playoffs. We just had the draft lottery. Um, free agency is just around the corner. I can't wait for the finals to get over so we can get on to that part of the year. Um, Rob, let's start with the lottery because I, uh, I like you, I'm a big Knicks fan. Um, and it was disappointing to me. Uh, I really thought when the Lakers card was turned over at four, that we had this thing locked up. Instead, we're saddled with RJ Barrett, who I'm now convincing myself is going to be a better pro than Zion Williamson because his game translates better. Take me through draft lottery night, uh, in, in your house. Well, uh, I went into it with emotions ready for first. First would have been Armageddon, like we take to the streets with, with pitchforks and torches and we start riding. Fourth would have been uh, put on some Alanis Morissette, grab an adult beverage and start convincing myself that Jared Colbert can actually translate to be a somewhat re- recognizable NBA name at some point. Mm-hmm. If we got the third pick, it was going to be very golf clappish because – I said even before it started that I would sign up guaranteed right now for the third pick in the NBA draft. So that was my minimum for being satisfied. And the reason for doing that was because the Knicks had a greater than 50% chance of falling out of the top three. And since this is a three-player draft, I didn't want to risk that. You know, I, I, I don't think there is that big of a difference between one, two, three, Zion, RJ, and Ja. So for three, it was golf clap. For two, it would have been a big-time fist bump because you get your pick between Ja and RJ. And then if you got the first pick, obviously it's just euphoria going streaking through uh, Times Square. Now, it, you go streaking through Times Square not just because it's Zion, but because it gives you options. And that's ultimately what the bigger picture is here for the New York Knicks. Either way, whether they got Zion or RJ, I still think that pick is eventually going to get traded. And it's going. it didn't even matter if we got the first pick in the long run when we look back at things. There's a lot of ifs that are going to go into this. But if the New York Knicks sign Kevin Durant. That means likely if Kyrie Irving becomes a New York Nick behind him, they are going to be in place to offer a godfather package for Anthony Davis. Uh, in that's with whatever pick you have. So let's say it's RJ Barrett. And then we have Milikina, Knox, Mitchell Robinson, a smorgasbord of first round draft picks, a Trier. You know, honestly, you open up the books at that point if you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving out there. So just 
but when you asked me this question, we are now three minutes since you asked it. I've already convinced myself that the Knicks are going to have a super team with three top ten players by yep. the time July comes around. But here's the thing, Blackjack, is that we put ourselves in that position. Like we, you can't win the chips that you don't put in the middle. That's true. And by trading Porzingis and clearing the cap space and getting rid of all those contracts, the, the Knicks are all in on the summer of 2019, man. And I'm excited because the first thing that we needed, the first check box, was getting a top three pick, and that is done. Okay, so let me let me ask you this because I am excited as well, but I'm also terrified because, as you said, the Knicks are all in on a summer of free agency, and we've seen that go awry before. Um, you mentioned that the Knicks could make a godfather offer. Is the Knicks' offer of three and whatever of those pieces better than the Lakers' offer of four, you know, with Ingram, Kuzma, and additional first-round picks? Is the Knicks' package better than that? I don't think so, uh, which is a problem. So if you're the Pelicans right now, you have to remember Del Demps, who who had a grudge practically against the Lakers and just refused to trade out of pure spite. He's gone. And David Griffin is there now and said he has no grudges, and we're going to treat this as if every deal is separate and brand new. So demand has gone up here for Anthony Davis because you have the Lakers, as you just alluded to. They can they can free Vongo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, the pick, Mo Wagner. Like, they have plenty to offer themselves. And let's not forget the Boston Celtics are out there as well with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and three to four first-round picks in just this draft alone. So – you add the New York Knicks to that, and I just, you know, I described what, what their package would look like. Yep. There's now three teams that Anthony Davis would likely sign an extension with, or at least that's the rumors that we heard. So what that means is demand goes up, but the supply hasn't done, gone anywhere. There's a third factor in here, which is time. Every second that ticks by is one second closer now to the trade deadline in February, and Anthony Davis is a free agent, and he has made it very clear that his stance has not changed, despite New Orleans now trying to make things work here. So can the Lakers offer something better? Most certainly. And you have to consider them, I think, the front runners. It's a matter if they want to do it, though, because they have a max spot available themselves. And they're not trading all their guys until they see if they're getting Kawhi Leonard, if they're getting Kyrie Irving, if they're getting Jimmy Butler. So there's, it's going to be weird to watch in terms of timing because all these teams are that scene from the office where they're pointing guns at each other that yep. we have a murder. Yep. And who's going to pull the trigger first on ridiculous deal for Anthony Davis simply because I think the other two teams aren't ready to do it yet. Uh, it's, it's really, you know, a game of it's a specific version of poker, but uh, it's, you know, it's what feel, feels like it's going on is you have to call each other's bluffs here. And right. Someone at some point is going to offer a block. Let me, let me throw this scenario at you. I like everyone else loves playing with the NBA trade machine. I want to throw a scenario at you. It's going to sound crazy, but I want you to think about it before you tell me what your answer is. Let's say that the New York Knicks trade the three pick and some of that filler, whatever it may, may need to be, to the Lakers for LeBron James. Then the Lakers send the three and the four pick to New Orleans for Anthony Davis Everyone wins here, Rob. The Knicks get LeBron James in town to pair with whoever they want. The Lakers get their young superstar in Anthony Davis. Maybe they miss out on free agents at the beginning of July and realize, hey, we can't build a title contender in two years. And the Pelicans get to jumpstart their rebuild with the one, three, and four picks in this draft. Who loses? The Lakers. So they just, they just traded LeBron James in the fourth pick for Anthony Davis in your hypothetical? 
more or less. Plus Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson, probably. Yeah, uh, you want to talk about a city that would burn to the ground? You want to, we saw the protests. But I mean, but I mean Rob, are they really worse? The are they worse with Anthony Davis than they were this year? I, it's tough to get worse than they were this year. Right, but, So, it, but you'll have Davis for a longer period because he's younger, and he said he'd re-sign there. So, like, why not just say, you know what, we're not going to win this in two years with LeBron. Let's let's jumpstart this this thing. Because Anthony Davis is made of glass, first of all. So if LeBron was hurt last year for a good good portion of the season, and I would still take LeBron James at the age of 34 versus Anthony Davis currently in his prime just because LeBron is still arguably the best player on earth, um, I don't know how the Lakers would get better just rebuilding around Anthony Davis without a draft pick. I, I do like where your mind's at. I like the way you're thinking with LeBron coming to New York somehow. That's always been – watch the Knicks sign him when he's like 42. Oh, you know that's happening. When Jordan, yeah. yeah. When, when Jordan went to the Wizards and after retiring a couple of years, you know LeBron. LeBron's coming back to play with his kid for like one year. He's going to have to get out of his wheelchair to play. Like, we finally got LeBron. You know that's going to happen at some point. Yep. Surprise me. I just don't think it happens in this season. This season. All right, so let's let's walk through some of these free agents that are out there because I, there's so many possibilities. My biggest concern as a Knicks fan is that we wind up with like Nick Vucevic and Tobias Harris. Like, tell me, um, tell me, I don't have to worry about that. I, there's certainly the possibility, and Vucevic actually would be would be great, but not just like headlining the free agency class with Tobias Harris. Uh, at this point, what we've learned from what I've learned personally and what we've heard in the media, it's, it's Kevin Durant or bust. And if Durant comes, he's got his boys uh, in, the, in the version of Kyrie Irving. I mean, DeAndre Jordan was on the team last year. They're kind of all their own version of the banana boat. And uh, it's, if they don't get Durant this summer, I think it's a, it's a failure regardless of who comes here, not named Kawhi Leonard. Well, okay, speaking of Kawhi, where do you think he winds up? Because, you know, you hear all the talk. He's from L.A. The Clippers have this spot open. Toronto just feels like such a good fit for him, man. It feels like it's the perfect damn spot for Kawhi Leonard. If, if anyone tells you that they know where Kawhi Leonard is going, you know you can never trust that person again. Because I don't even think Kawhi or Uncle Dennis knows where he's going next year. But I can tell you this, that the Toronto Raptors are really good with Kawhi Leonard on that team. They're championship ready, just if, even if they don't make it out of the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm going, I'm going to make a list right now for Kawhi Leonard. It's Toronto. And he just bought a eight-figure house back in his home of Southern California, which he has made very clear that he loves and he wants to live full-time. Once again, one day, went to San Diego State for college. Uh, I'm going to add to this list the Lakers and the Clippers. And a lot of people are pitching the Clippers because he's a quiet guy. He doesn't have to play alongside LeBron, the spotlight, the media. He doesn't want all that. We don't know that he doesn't want all that. He just never says yes or no. So I'm going to put the Lakers and Clippers on that list with the Raptors, and I think that's where the list ends. But this is stri- strictly just pure guessing and from what we learned in, in the news. What about my guy Jimmy Butler? Where does he wind up? So he's probably the biggest wild card in terms of could go to any team. Like He's the, the O negative blood of the free agency here. He could stay in Philly <laughs> if Philly decides we're going to go soaring over the luxury tax and bring back Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler to pair with these our two stars. Or he can leave, and he can just get a super, not a super max, but a gigantic max from, like, the Brooklyn Nets or whoever the highest bidder is. And there was a point there at the end of the regular season that people were like, do you really want Jimmy Butler on your team in a max contract? 
I yes. think he proved in the playoffs he's still very much worth it. I want like, him in New York. He the, yeah, he really proved to me that this is still that dude. And he's a guy that you can go to to like close a playoff game. And it's just his like wartime mentality is contagious in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I saw enough Love of it. him that, that a lot of teams out there are going to feel the same way. So on this list, you can go from New York – to back to Philly, to both teams in LA, to Orlando, whatever you know is going to give him the biggest contract. I think he has no allegiances anywhere. He just wants to get paid, and he wants to make the playoffs, and he wants to be the guy. The only guy that, that he would kind of defer to is probably Kevin Durant or LeBron James. I respect the hell out of that. That's why I love Jimmy Butler. I love yeah. him. Um, you mentioned Philadelphia. Is there any chance the Sixers trade Ben Simmons? Because, I mean, that guy seems like a poor fit there at this point, Rob. It's it's feasible, but he's so good. I, I I know that people make fun of him all the time because he doesn't shoot, and he does. He certainly needs to improve that that aspect of his game and the free throws as well. But if he ever got a jump shot that was respectable enough that dudes couldn't go under the screen against inside the three point line and shoot yeah, off, he'd of be him, dominant. He'd, he'd be a top ten, top five player in this league because he's a six foot eleven point guard with better handles than your team's point guard, and he's an absolute elite defender. Uh, who can protect the rim as well. So I, I would not trade him. Uh, and it's re- it's really weird how bad of a rap he gets that like people are even considering it, uh, just because I, I can see with my own two eyes how talented he is. And if you're going to trade him, I mean, what do you trade him for? I think you can only trade Ben Simmons for guys like LeBron James or Kevin Durant of the world. What else would make sense? Like, you, you, would you trade him for D'Angelo move. Russell? Well, D'Angelo Russell's a free agent, so he's... Well, let's say it was a sign Yeah, I mean, I would definitely not do that or even consider it, even if it was possible, uh, because Ben Simmons is just so dominating on both sides of the floor. Uh, D'Angelo Russell may be a better offensive scorer and creator, or we can argue this all day, but I just want to reinforce that basketball is a two-way sport here, and what he provides on the defensive side of the floor puts him into the categories of, like, Kawhi, Giannis, and he's that good. Uh, it's just everyone makes fun of his jump shot. Well, I mean, Rob, uh, listen, you're, you're as astute an observer of the NBA as there is on this planet. Tell me, why can this guy not develop a passable jump shot? I mean, you look at what Brooke Lopez has done developing that three after being god-awful and never taking them. Even Russell Westbrook, who is the worst three-point shooter with, I think, over, what, 2,500 attempts over the last few years, it's still something that you just don't leave him alone. Like, Ben Simmons just has an awful, awful shot. Why Why can he not fix it? Okay, so it's we, he just finished his second season, and we can make, you want to make the rookie joke now that it's his rookie year? Uh, yeah, ask Donovan Mitchell his, about that. Okay, <laughs> so he just finished his second season. He's not like six years into a career where he still can't shoot. And I want to look at guys real quick. We're going to talk about this in the form of Andre Drummond and DeAndre Jordan, who have were the worst free throw shooters I have ever seen. Like, just it was all mental, terrible form, all the above. No chance. But both of them somehow fixed it seven years later after just historically bad free throw numbers. Now they're both respectable. But it took them seven years. It's not as easy, I think, as just going into a gym and I'm sure he makes like 9 out of 10 in an open gym, like every other NBA player does. But translating that to the court is something that's only going to come from experience. 
So if that's the one part of his game that he needs to improve, everyone in the NBA, including LeBron James, has something that they need to improve. LeBron's a terrible free throw shooter. Terrible. He's also a terrible teammate now. Yeah, well, okay. (laughs) But but, uh, Ben Simmons, his... He has no mid-range jump shot, and he has no ability to to uh, keep guys honest around the three-point line. So I am not going to say that he's going to be a terrible shooter for the rest of his career, but I do want to reinforce that it's not as easy as just getting into the gym and fixing it over the summer. I'm sure he's trying trying to do it, but it's just not happening. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. Um all right, Rob, let's let's take a look at uh, – well, before we take a look at these series, there's one more player I want to ask you about, and that's Giannis. Does Milwaukee need to worry about him wanting out of there the way we've seen so many of these players look to get out of small markets? I mean, they've built a beautiful team around him. They just opened up their new gorgeous arena and training facility. He seems happy there. Does Milwaukee need to worry about him? Absolutely not. And this is probably the one case that you just – brought up a couple reasons why they opened a new arena the city like would vote him mayor in two seconds they've embraced him as like the guy the hero of the state of wisconsin probably even more so than like aaron Rodgers at this point and you have to remember where Giannis grew up and came from if you watch a 60 minute story you know sleeping in a tiny little room with all of his brothers and he loves the small market uh he just because that's the way who he is and he's always kept his family tight milwaukee took a took a shot on him and uh, really just gave him the opportunity. And even we've seen it with even his coaches in the past. And he gets upset when the Bucks like fired Jason Kidd yeah, and, he did. and uh, Prunty and those guys. He's like, I'm super loyal to anyone that like ever has ever given me a chance and gotten me from where I was to here. And he's already on Twitter, on the record, and in public in front of the media saying, I'm going to resign here until they trade me. He's like, I'm never leaving Milwaukee. Kyrie and I'm going to have to take him too. for his word. Kyrie did say that, but he, Kyrie did not grow up the same way that Giannis did. And so I am actually going to take Giannis for his word, and he will sign a Supermax extension because, one, no one else can give him a Supermax extension other than the Bucks, And, two, I think he just wants to. I think he genuinely enjoys the small market in living there. I, I don't know if he's ready for, like, a New York or Los Angeles. Uh, only he can answer that, but he's even told us that he doesn't love the big city life. And you know where there's no big city life? Milwaukee. It's Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So uh, I'm not worried about him leaving for at least a decade. So you're saying there's no chance this summer for the Knicks is Kyrie, KD, and Giannis? No. Okay. I mean, he would have to get traded. Yeah. I no, mean, well, instead of that Anthony Davis offer, let's send it to Milwaukee. Is I think Giannis, we could say Giannis Antetokounmpo is the single most untradeable player in the league, meaning you wouldn't trade him for any other guy. Like any package, wow. any any offer whatsoever, I can't put together unless you gave me LeBron James and Kevin Durant. I would not trade Giannis Antetokounmpo. Would you trade him for Steph Curry and Klay Thompson? Absolutely not. Wow. All right. Let's use that as a transition. Let's look at these Western Conference Finals. Game two tonight at the Oracle in Oakland. Golden State obviously up one nothing. Seven and a half point favorites tonight. Um. I, there's a couple of questions I want to ask you about the Warriors. The first one is, is Steph Curry like legitimately the most unselfish superstar we've seen in pro sports in, in decades? I mean, you watch how no, he, I, he took a backseat to Kevin Durant when they brought him on for the greater good of that team. And now with Durant down, you see Curry asserting himself more and doing – it's almost like we forgot how good Steph Curry is. 
So the answer to your question is probably Steve Nash is the most unselfish basketball superstar in, in recent history. And he, I think he took a backseat, Steph Curry, because you don't have a choice when you play with Kevin Durant. Durant's going to demand the ball 13 feet from the rim, and he's going to tell you to go away because he's that good, and you just have to do what he says. Kind of uh, sounds like he's just a, a, Yeah, right? he's just another world offensive player uh, who's going. He's the only guy worthy of Golden State busting up their system that has worked for so long. And the reason why people are like enjoying watching the Warriors right now without Kevin Durant is because they've gone back to their 2015 roots of no Durant on the floor. We're pacing, we're spacing, we're, that the ball is barely touching the floor, we're catching and shooting. Steph Curry is creating for everybody, including Draymond Green. And when you need Steph Curry to score, he scores. So it's like a completely different, unleashed version of him ever since Kevin Durant went down, which makes you like just the Kevin Durant being on the Warriors is just such a luxury. It's like ridiculous. So the, the version we've seen of him now has been the combination of both unselfish and the scorer, Steph Curry, that we all were asking, where did he go when Kevin Durant was on the floor? So, Rob, is it – I mean, like, I'm not trying to do a Stephen A. Smith thing here, but, like, is it crazy to say that the Warriors might be a better team without Kevin Durant because of that spacing, because of the way they move the ball, because of the way they involve everyone else? Is it crazy to say they might be better without him? Well, they're not better because what Kevin Durant is also is a body. So when Kevin Durant isn't on the floor, they have to start Andre Iguodala, and that's not depth that can come off the bench with Sean Livingston. You know, they're thin. They're crazy thin. And if they didn't have Durant in a potential finals against the Milwaukee Bucks, they're going to get run off the floor because they are going to have to play guys like Jarebko and McKinney just to run, just not even to play, just to run with the Giannis's and Middletons out there. So they're definitely not better without Kevin Durant. Are they more, is their offense more fluid? Certainly. Is their offense more efficient? Yeah, we can even maybe even argue that. But by no means do you, are you taking the best offensive player on planet Earth off the team and telling me that they're actually better without him. Do you think that uh, the Blazers get a game in this series? Because I'm kind of starting no. to doubt it. No, not a chance. This right. was, I, I'd be surprised. I, I keep amongst us Action Network. We have a Slack channel in the NBA. And I've been saying all, all year, I'm like, they're gonna, these Warriors are going to double-digit sweep somebody in the playoffs, meaning every game they're going to win by double digits. And I'm like, this is it. Because wow. the, the Blazers' defense, like Ennis Kanter, like he makes the joke all the time that you can play Cantor. You can't play Cantor. He's the worst defensive pick-and-roll center in the league. And what he showed us in game one, he doesn't even hedge. Steph Curry has been shooting terribly wide all open. postseason. He's wide open on any screen. And, of course, all, all you have to do is just give Steph Curry a smidgen of space, let alone 10 feet, yeah. and he's going to eventually figure it out and catch fire. And guess what happened? He caught fire, and now he's back. Now he's back to doing that whole running away from the ball thing when it's halfway to the rim. He's back in the zone, and it's contagious. So what the Blazers have, have done with defense here is unleash Steph Curry, and Damian Lillard has not been good since he hit that game winner against Oklahoma City. He has not right. had one good game, and he can't play defense. So unless the, he catches in napalm fire, they don't have a chance in hell to lose by single digits, let alone wow. win a game. You're making me feel good because I laid the seven and a half tonight with Golden State, so I like it. Um, there you, go. you think Clay goes back to Golden State? Yeah, yeah. I, I, he's going to get the, the max contract. So for him to leave, I know he's a Southern California guy, and the Lakers make a lot of sense because you could play alongside LeBron, and like, oh my God, can you imagine Clay with LeBron? 
he'd even be even better than he was on the Warriors. Uh, I don't think he's going to leave. I mean, he's even said it himself. He wants to come back. We've heard that before, but, you know, cash is king, and he's going to get a gigantic deal, which is going to be impossible to turn down. So unless he has an extreme falling out in the next two weeks, you know, amongst this team that looks like they're not losing to anybody named Giannis, not named Giannis, uh, I, I don't see how him and the Splash Brothers ever break up. Yeah, and he and Joe Lacob seem to have a really good relationship, so um, which helps. I can't really imagine that happening. All right, let's take a look at the East, Rob. Uh, I feel like you're favoring Milwaukee in this series. Um, watching the game last night, uh, everyone not named Kyle Lowry on Toronto goes 0 for 15 from the floor in the fourth quarter. Probably not going to happen again. Toronto led for a chunk of this game and covered it for all but 30-something seconds of it. Um, how do you see this series playing out? I, I think it's a long series. What do you think? Well, yeah, you, you said you just said I'm leaning Milwaukee. I, I did pick Toronto before this series started, and it was sure looking good, but they really needed that game last night. They really needed that because the Bucks are so good. What the Bucks do is they just they are an avalanche of just offensive efficiency in superstars. And even when Giannis goes to the bench, guys like Pat Connaughton can go out there and start launching 30-footers against you and get them right back in the game. So what Toronto does best is they throw length at you, they can switch every screen, and they were really messing up Giannis and what the Bucks do. But here's the problem, is they're not deep anymore. Like They've lost one of their biggest advantages, and they were gassed, gassed going into the fourth quarter. Kawhi goes to the bench, and they blow an eight-point lead in a matter of 45, 60 seconds. It was gone. And when Kyle Lowry is the only guy out there who makes literally makes the only bucket, right, the only guy scoring field goals in the fourth quarter, uh, that's, that's where Kawhi's got to step in and just demand the ball and do what he does. Uh, and nobody can make a shot. That's been the most frustrating part of this Raptors postseason is they have these spells yep. where just guys can't make shots. Like Marcus Gasol was wide open three or four times there, and it just didn't go in. Norman Powell and Danny Green were wide open in the corners. You're not going to win NBA games when you're missing wide open shots. And the Raptors have battled that, that those, again, those spells multiple times. And it really came back to haunt them last night because they could not afford to lose a game that they're going to steal. Because you know what's going to happen now. They're probably going to get blown out in game two. And then they have to go back and they have to win both of those in Toronto against a team that is probably better than them. I love what they bring to the table, their mentality. They're ready for war. They don't even care about Giannis. They're like, we dare you. We dare you to do anything. We have a Kawhi. Like, you may have a Giannis, but we have a Kawhi. This is like Godzilla versus Megalodon shit. So, uh, <laughs> like, they're not scared, but I just don't know if they have the firepower uh, one through eight that the Bucks do. And you have to remember in the NBA, the best teams always win. This isn't March Madness. It's a seven-game series. So to do this four out of seven times is asking a lot. But I'm going to stick with my guys because I've, I've stuck with them all year. I'm with you. I like Toronto, too. But let me ask you this. Does Marc Gasol think the three-point line is electrified? Because it seems like he's terrified to get inside of it. Yeah. I, he doesn't – like, even when he shoots, he doesn't even jump. So he always plays under the rim, even as a seven-footer. He's a very Sam Perkins-esque uh, uh, center out there. But – uh, I think that's more so just trying to create some space. You know, it's, it's 2019, so everyone stands around the three-point line, and at the maximum, you have one guy inside standing on the block. Uh, I think that's just the way the offense is designed, but uh, they could sure use him on the offensive glass. 
because when you're missing a thousand shots like they do, they had no second chance opportunities. It felt like unless Pascal Siakam was just uh, bowling, bowling his way to the rim a couple of times, he got an offensive rebound, but there was no bucket. There was no second chances. There was no easy shots. They really just kind of fell into standing around and looking up at the shot clock and being like, Oh crap, there's six seconds. left." it felt like that for an entire quarter in that game. Like they played great first three and then it just tailspins in the fourth. I know you, you mentioned a second ago, Rob, that this is the NBA, the best teams win. Nobody's beating golden state, right? I, I tend to think so. I, I, I would be scared of Milwaukee. This is, this is the best team. If it ends up being Milwaukee, golden state, that even including the 2016 Thunder team that went up 3-1 on them with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, I'm going to say this Milwaukee Bucks team is without a doubt the toughest opponent that they will ever face. And they're at the end of their dynasty. They're at the end of their like dynasty reigning prime, right? So if they come in and they're going to have to play game one and two and game seven potentially in Milwaukee, like that's a huge advantage that we're not talking about yet is that right, those teams right. are going to be on the road. Uh, I'm getting a little heebie-jeebies. I'm never going to bet against the Warriors, no. especially at the current odds. But Milwaukee has a nuclear weapon on their team, which the Golden State Warriors themselves have even said, there's only one guy in the league that bothers us and we're like actually intimidated by. It's not LeBron. It's, it's not Anthony Davis. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I, I don't know who they put on him to slow down or contain what makes the Bucks so great. Great point, Rob. Great, great point. That's Thank you. Very good analysis into the NBA. Um, final question. How will James Dolan fuck this up? <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to give James Dolan any credit. Like, is he going to go into the meeting or... with Kevin Durant playing his kazoo? Yeah, that's, that's the way he would mess this up. So to, to Dolan's credit, we haven't heard his name in quite some time. The Knicks have done a great job in just giving Perry and Mills all the responsibility. But as the Knicks become this global mainstream popularity thing again, Dolan always seems to find his way in. So if he's able to stay just out of the Durant negotiations and just kind of is there to sign off on things, that's ultimately what we, that would be the perfect scenario. Uh, it's above him at this point because if Durant comes to New York, it's not just about basketball here. It's about Kleinman too. So Kleinman's going to have a voice in the, in the front office, and how is Durant going to be involved with MSG, which is a publicly traded company yep. here in New York that stands for Madison Square Garden for people outside of New York? It's a network. Is Kevin Durant going to be like on the board? Is Rich Kleinman going to be on the board? These are things that are outside of basketball, and I don't know, like within the CBA, like what's allowed. But let's just assume that Durant is probably going to be involved with everything there. That's why he's coming here. He's not coming here just for his to get his reputation back as, as a ring chaser, get the hell out of here if you think that's the only reason he's coming to New York. He wants to be the next billion-dollar athlete, and he can accomplish that while playing basketball here in the basketball mecca. Wow, I love it, Rob. All right, brother. Thank you, Rob, for joining us today. I really appreciate it, man. It was a lot of fun. You got it, man. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the favorites this week. Uh, make sure you go to Apple Podcasts, download, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate those. It uh, gets us going. Um, we're also available on radio.com slash the Action Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with Chad and his cast of characters. Until then, love you. Love you.